0: Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode number 411.
1: People liked it, and I added more stuff, and then Grant added his stuff, and then, yeah, I mean, it just happened. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift
0: biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there. It's Sue, and thanks for joining me for the show today. We've covered so many facets of a handmade product business over the course of the years, and today is no exception. We've talked about how to start and grow your business stories from many of you who have done just that, how to choose and use social media sites, build your website. Oh my gosh, there is just so much information here for you, but not necessarily at your fingertips. So I've made a tool for you that categorizes by topic the episodes of this podcast, but only the ones that stay relevant over time because yes, let's face it, There are past shows that just don't work anymore for us today. The world is changing so fast, right? You can use this tool to zero in on whatever topic you need at the moment. Do you want to hear from others in your specific industry? How about details on Pinterest or setting up an email strategy? You can now easily find the right episodes and create your priority listening roster. Consider this your gift biz resource center at a glance. It's a Google Sheet, best viewable on your computer versus your phone. Make sure to look on the bottom where there are five separate sections for easy topic reference, kind of like chapters of a book. It makes finding the shows to help you with what you're working on right now so much easier. To access this free resource, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash topics. I'm really excited for us to get into today's show. As you saw from the title, this couple has done over 150 in-person shows over just the last three years. That's not a typo. Given that high level of activity, you know they have a ton of experience and some great tips to share on many facets of craft show exhibiting. But there's even more. You're going to hear about the unexpected start into their business, how they merge together as a husband and wife team, and what they see for the future. This episode is jam-packed with great stories to learn from, and what can happen if you just start and pave the path forward from there. I think Jennifer and Grant even surprised themselves. (laughs) Grant and Jennifer Anderson are a husband and wife team out of Brownsburg, Indiana, and the owners of Uptown Common. Jennifer started Uptown Common in late 2019, selling macrame products, including plant hangers and wall hangings. Grant began adding leather goods to the business booth early in 2020, and shortly after that, they also started selling plants so customers could complete their plant hanger entirely in their shop. Uptown Common travels around the Midwest to artisan markets. To date, they've done nearly 150 markets. Can you believe that? 150? Grant and Jennifer also hosted their first artisan market last year, which was an exciting undertaking. They leveraged their significant experience as vendors, as well as the relationships with other show vendors that they had, to make their show one that will continue into 2023 and beyond. Grant and Jennifer, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast.
2: Thank you for having us. Hello.
0: Hi, I'm so excited to talk more than what we just said in the intro, but learn more about Uptown Common. But before we do that, I have a motivational candle question for you. This is something that I ask all my guests before each podcast to get to know you in a little bit of a different way. And you guys said you each had your own candles. Jennifer, why don't you start? What would be your motivational candle if it spoke everything about you? A color and maybe a quote or a saying?
1: A color, I would say sage green.
0: Ooh. And
1: a word, bold.
0: Bold. Okay. Why do you pick sage green?
1: I think it blends with everything. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I'm kind of thinking with your planters. You know, that's where my mind went first. Yeah. Are you a nature-y type of a person? and?
1: Yes, we do a lot of hiking and we have, I mean, I don't know if you Ooh. We have lots of plants, we sell lots of plants. So I mean, that's a good connection too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And bold, man, you need that for starting a business no matter what,
1: <laughs> right? Yes.
0: I bet you some of that'll come out in the story as we go for sure. Okay, Grant, let's talk about your motivational candle.
2: So I was also going with green. We didn't discuss our candles with each other beforehand. So.
0: No. Oh, I love it. Does it have a different hue or is it also sage?
2: Not so much sage. No, more of, yeah, what you'd see in plants, things like that. Just And, of course, this time of year, central Indiana, everything is brown and gray and not pretty. So, yeah, looking forward to spring and the green coming back on the leaves and the grass. So definitely kind of uh, the renewing of life <laughs> here from Indiana. Yeah, and I think for mine, I would have El Roy coming out of Genesis in the Bible, the God who sees me and just something, especially running a small business. We're all fighting for exposure, fighting to be seen on many different social media. Etsy is another one, which we've kind of dipped our toes into a few times, but those are all difficult places to kind of get noticed. So kind of looking back to that and knowing that our creator does see us regardless of how we're doing here in the world and the efforts we're making.
0: I really like that. It's a nice overlay mindset to think about when you are struggling, getting visibility everywhere else. It is crazy out there trying to get noticed and then you know have deeper conversations, etc. Hence, all the one-on-one shows you do, which is great, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's way easier.
2: Oh, yes, it sounds easier.
0: I think we all kind of thought way in the beginning when technology that like the web came about and all that as makers. Oh, well, I can just sit home behind a computer, put things up. People will see and buy my products and life will be beautiful. And we all know that is not reality.
2: (laughs) We've talked to some people who have made that their reality but it takes a lot of time, a lot of focus, a lot of effort. We met a lady last year that was doing jewelry, met her in Chicago, LaGrange actually, outside of Chicago. And she was, that was going to be one of her last shows. So she was going to do what, just a couple shows a year after that. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer ended up buying a necklace from her and, but yeah, she, she hit it online, but took a lot of years of dedication to get there.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You just don't go online and everyone miraculously finds you, right? You've got to work the system. So I think that's the fun thing about a maker business too. Well, a business for yourself, but a maker business is you can go out to shows and interact with people if that's what you like to do, or you can stay home and make. I mean, we have a lot of people who are listeners who for whatever reason, maybe they're taking care of someone who's homebound or they themselves aren't able to get out and be as mobile, then they can sell online or a combination of the two you can really write your own recipe however you want to do it but no matter what it still takes work (laughs) you still have to learn how to do it
1: yes
0: (laughs) so jennifer you kicked this whole business thing off it sounds like right with your macrame
1: i did yes yeah
0: and i'm guessing you guys were already married at the time yes okay All right. So how did you bring this concept home? Tell me that when it was just the initial thought in your head about doing this.
1: It wasn't a thought. (laughs) It was a stroke of genius, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) What was it? I quit my full-time job. I took a part-time job, so I had some extra time. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, "Eh, I want to learn how to make a macrame plant hanger. So I looked at some videos and I taught myself how to do it. And then somehow within like eight weeks or so, I was selling them at markets. And then, I mean, people liked it and I added more stuff and then Grant added his stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, it just happened. There was no plan.
0: So you started as a hobby just to do it because it looked fun, right?
1: I wanted one.
0: (laughs) That's not the story anymore. (laughs) And then did friends see it or like, where was the jump from? I have one to all of a sudden you're at a show. You just decided that would be fun to try and to do.
1: I mean, yeah, they didn't exist anywhere. Then you couldn't buy them in the store. People weren't making them. So it was somehow, it just, I mean, it was never an actual thought. Like, I'm going to make this a business. It was like, I just taught myself how to do something that probably other people might want. There are lots of plant people around because I was thinking plant hangers mostly. And right. I signed up for a, a market at a church the Saturday after Thanksgiving, that in 2019. And then I did three or four more that year before Christmas. And we had a whole plan for 2020. And then that got, you know.
0: Well, yeah, we know what happened then, boy.
1: <laughs> still ended up being 25 that year, though. So, I mean, in the, in the last half of the year when old, at least here in Indiana, they were a little different. And you could do some gatherings outside with all the rules.
0: But yeah. So take me to that first show that you did. So it was a church auction, a church Mm -hmm. bazaar. And perfect timing, because if it was right after Thanksgiving, that's going into holiday. Right. And it feels to me like 2019. It's really not that long ago. But macrame was starting to come to the forefront again. So I think you also landed it at a good time. Somehow. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Again, there was no
0: that. <laughs> so I'm sure it's definitely not the booth that I saw with you at the one of a kind show. But what did your first table look like at that church? I'm thinking for people who are listening, who are thinking about a first show and be like, Oh, my God, what do I do? How do I display? I mean, it's an evolution, right from your first table to the booth that you have now described as your first one. Yeah,
1: so I mean, it's, it was a 10 by 10. Oh, you had a whole
0: section then? Yeah, it was a ten. That's a lot to fill for your first one.
1: I know, but I'm like, oh my gosh, like what do I do with this space? How do I display things? I don't even know how people, I mean, I've been to some markets before, like, so I wasn't totally clueless, but I never ever considered like, should people walk in? Should I just walk by? I didn't have any signage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Grant cut some wood pieces and I stained them and we, propped them up and it was not good. It did not work very well. For like some of the small things I thought, oh, I can just lean them up. Like like, kind of like a jewelry case, kind of without the glass. Uh huh. That didn't work very well. But I had a clothes rack, which we still use today, the same style and everything. We went to, they're actually from Ikea. They break down small, they're black, which fits our brand. And we used those and hung some plant hangers there I was by myself so I don't know were you working I guess you probably were yeah, working. working
2: weekends at the time
1: I was by myself carrying all this stuff in I had no clue like what to expect I ended up on a corner which totally was like
0: oh that totally messed up your plan I bet
1: because <laughs> <laughs> now you have two I
0: mean I was just you thinking. lost a whole wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you got more visibility then too because people are coming from both angles
1: yeah. So back then, even people like other vendors, and I perhaps it was because of the placement I had in the layout, they were like, I've been staring at your plant hangers all day and I just have to buy one before I leave. And I'm like, really?
0: <laughs> so were you shocked? Like what happened? Do you remember that first sale?
1: No, not the first sale. Like the whole market thing was overwhelming because I mean, i would never used Square or any sort of payment thing like that. And mm-hmm. I had no idea like what people were going to ask me or what they were going to say or what I should say. It's all kind of blurry. I remember being in the basement and it was kind of dark. (laughs) Like that's where they had their whole event and being really nervous about how am I going to set this up and what are other people going to think and is anyone going to buy anything? And I don't know what happens if I can't access the Wi-Fi or something and I can't take payment. And what if I don't have enough chain? I mean, it was just like all these things, but people bought stuff and liked it and not by me asking or them even trying to offer suggestions, but they would just ask questions like, what if you had a few plants there? Cause you have to display them, but we weren't plants. It was never even a thought. Back then, it wasn't even an idea to have, because I make my plant hangers now, to fit a specific pot so it looks right. And most macrame people that I've come across so far in these years don't do that. Well, that was partially Grant's idea. And then other customers wanting the same thing. are like, it's really hard to find pots that fit in these things so it doesn't squeeze in at the top or it's not too tight.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of learning from that first show, for sure. Yeah. Because everything was new. Payment systems, display, people actually liking what you're making, which had to be so fulfilling.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a shock. I probably, anyone who started selling stuff that they make, it's a little bit of a shock, like, wow, people really like this.
0: (laughs) I always tell people who are just thinking about starting a business is to do exactly what you did. Get it out to people you don't know, because friends and family aren't a reliable judge, right? They're going to be nice to you. Right. So, but go out to people that you don't know and validate the product. And just like you did with a church bazaar, perfect situation, because number one, you can see if you like even doing this, (laughs) right? Because you were saying you didn't even think really about it being a business yet, but if you like doing it and then what's the receptivity of it and then feedback you know, on pricing on displays on questions, can we do different colors, like who knows what it would look like, right? So I love what you did, even by way of just example for anybody else. So what would you say to somebody who is thinking about starting with a little show like that and is super nervous, just like you were with all your questions? What would you advise them?
1: I mean, you just have to do it. <laughs> Perhaps if you have the chance, go visit some before, you know, like pretty immediately before. So you can see how other people are displaying their things or just how it flows from not the shopper perspective, but from the vendor perspective. I didn't do that, but I think that would have been helpful to mm-hmm have some better ideas of what displays could look like or how people flow or it never even occurred to me I could be on a corner so like if I would have gone ahead of time to some other markets I might have noticed that that was a possibility I mean it totally makes sense that it's a possibility but
0: but you're not thinking about that because you're thinking about all this other
1: stuff so I would say going to visit some pretty immediately beforehand and thinking with like vendor eyes instead of shopper eyes and And even ask questions of the vendors. Most of them we've come across are pretty friendly and they'll tell you their experiences and what they've learned or even just. So really just do it.
0: And if you make a mistake or do something wrong or didn't consider something like a corner in your case, you just adjust and you roll with it and then you can perfect from there. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there is a level of you have to just have the mindset of being flexible because I mean, we now know and even Mm -hmm. from that time you have no clue what might be waiting for you when you arrive. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Or what's going to happen or all that. So.
0: Okay. Well you obviously did something right because then Grant wanted in on the deal. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So how did that all happen? You didn't even give her a full year and you're in, you're jumping in.
2: (laughs) So my job at the time I was working e-commerce operations. I was working weekends, which is why she was going solo to all these shows. But I was supposed to have a three day work week. And I had tried multiple hobbies in the past. I had tried some metalworking, knife making, some woodworking in the past, and none of it really stuck. And I'm like, you know what, let's give leather a try. So it was, I don't know, probably about five or six years ago, I said, I had, you know, started buying some what I thought at the time were nicer leather goods, I have since learned they're not as nice as they were kind of portrayed to be.
0: <laughs> oh, really? So different qualities of leather?
2: Yeah, different quality. And the build quality was great, but the material quality was lacking. I see. But yeah, so I started learning more about this and decided with a three-day work week, I needed a good hobby that would prevent me from, I don't know, working out for 30 minutes and then sitting around for the other 23 hours in the day watching <laughs> television. <laughs> decided to pick up leather working and just, yeah, started with cheap scraps from Michael's maybe. Or hobby lobby something like that they just sell a bag of scrap leather and started with that which was really bad leather but it helped me start to learn it helped me stick my thumb the first couple dozen times and learned there are better ways to sell leather by hand okay <laughs> so it still happens but not as often anymore but yeah it was just something kind of a, an interest of mine and wanted to occupy some of my work week when i wasn't actually working
0: so were you doing that thinking, ah, Jennifer has a booth and maybe I can do something. Maybe she'll let me in on the booth biz.
2: (laughs) I don't really recall how it came about.
1: I mean, that was probably it because why?
0: So think to the first show that you guys did together. What leather products did you introduce with her macrame goods?
2: So the first show where leather products were in, she was probably by herself still. Yes. I'm pretty certain of it because I was still working weekends. Mm-hmm. And it was probably, I had some different, July, actually. July, maybe July
1: 2020.
2: Perhaps. And actually have a lady who's been a repeat customer since then that bought one of my first wallets. And I am completing another one in a different color for her. I don't even make that wallet anymore. but She wants another one in this particular color. So we're going to make it happen. And she is an
0: in with the maker. So... <laughs>
2: Absolutely. So, kind of went from there. My first real mass-produced wallets are slim wallet, which we're going to stop carrying in the booth, but we still will have available. But yeah, just always, yeah, looking to that next thing. I don't know if keychains were part of the early.
1: I, I could go back and look at pictures. So. Yeah. It was. It you was guys, a, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it wasn't, no, no, no. And it was clearly mostly macrame. That's what people would have noticed if they, yeah. if they didn't stop to talk like. If, talk with them, they may not have even noticed mm-hmm. that there was leather. And by then, I'm not even sure when he added leather, if we even had like signage or I mean, it was still like new.
0: Okay, so when did you decide on a name and formalize it, The business was that after both the products were made? And
1: no, oh, it was from the start.
0: Oh, from the start. Okay.
1: It was already in my head. The whole brand really was already in my head somehow.
0: Well, how did it appear? Like, how did you think of the name?
1: Well, so this goes way back even, like from 2015. I wanted to open a wedding venue. And so we had plans drawn up by an architect for this big thing. And then an opportunity came along a few years later to perhaps do a smaller one, like that would fit like 100 people. So I needed to come up with a different name than the original one I had. Well, that was Uptown Common for the smaller venue, because it would be more urban and still a gathering place, which was common. So that was the name for that business idea. And when I had to come up with one quickly, like in a few weeks, that was what came to my mind and stuck.
0: And you just rolled with it.
1: Yeah, and it has worked really well. I didn't know Grant was going to add in leather, but it still works. Yeah. I feel like the black, it's strong and sturdy like leather, you know, <laughs> long-term. And it has a little bit of a vintage retro feel to it, which really is macrame, but also leather. That's quality. Things are not as common to find currently. It's more of a vintage, you know.
0: Right. Vintage reinventing itself for
1: today. Yes, So it always existed from the first market. We just didn't have any signage, really, that people would start recognizing. But the black showed up in the tablecloths, the brass. Well, I don't know if brass showed up quite that early, because finding uh, brass display pieces is kind of hard. (laughs) (laughs) We have some now, but they're in their vintage, actually vintage pieces. But yeah, I mean, it was always there, it was always part of it, and it has worked. And as far as I can see, will continue working when Mm -hmm. macrame is kind of you know it's a trend so it's going to decrease
0: you envision this being a rolling product situation mm-hmm. like depending on what's in what's coming down the pike etc you might integrate in other things i mean you don't know what the future's going to hold yet but so it's going to be fluid uptown common will stay the same but the products might be fluid based on popularity culture or whatever
1: i mean i would think macrame goes away and it's just leather really mm. I mean, we've seen that happen already. Mm -hmm. And we already had discussed like in 2020, you know, how long is macrame going to be popular for? It, you know, trends come and go so fast now. And it was starting to get popular. You'd see it on HGTV and all those places. And then you started seeing like walls of it at TJ Maxx and Marshalls and you can buy it online now. So it's eventually and maybe sooner rather than later going to lose its interest for people. But leather... Has already picked up. Like it's already switching. (laughs) So macrame got us here. Leather is going to get us forward.
0: Right. But really good point to watch what's happening around you. So many of us will just think, you know, what we're making is so beautiful. People love it so much. And then a second later, it's not. I mean, and even big brands, like look at Blockbuster, (laughs) you know, like one minute they were, everyone was going every single weekend or night or whatever. And then the next couple of years, I know it took a little bit of time, but all of a sudden they were caught unaware and shut everything down. Right. Right. So it's really smart of you guys to be watching trends and what's going on and staying relevant. And as makers, you can do that because you can adjust your products. Yeah, we can adjust
1: quickly. Yeah. So we notice,
0: you
1: know, certain things, macrame things haven't sold as well. Plant hangers still sell well. So we, you know, I make more of those. Or this year, we're going to have like a hybrid kind of booth option. So some markets we might apply for will be only leather. Some would be macrame and leather. Some would have a higher percentage of plants. Like around us, there's some plant markets. So we have access to plants and plant hangers fit. And a lot of those people like leather stuff. So it, we can increase the amount of plants we have. So somehow like we can adjust.
0: Yeah, very flexible.
1: Yeah. And fit the need of the market or like the individual market or the trends, you know, as I, say. but I don't, macrame, I mean, there's not a better way to hang a plant than a plant hanger, so I think that will always be true, but people aren't going to want so many of them in their house, and it's not going to be wall hangings. Yeah. And I do classes, which is kind of...
0: Definitely want to talk about that too, but let's stay with the core business development first. 150 shows in, let's call it two and a half years, given we had some downtime. Yeah. Talk to me about how that's affected your life and what you love about it, what you don't love about it. Any comments either of you want to give me on these shows? Because that's a heavy schedule, no question.
1: Yeah, we don't find too many people who do as many as we have done. So it is apparently unusual. That part wasn't necessarily accidental like some of the other things. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm looking at all these markets and they keep coming to us as we're going places. So they're approaching you. Right. And that only happened from the beginning. And again, I don't know. I mean, it just happened. But I was like, I don't know how we can pick. How do we know which ones are good? How do we know, since we're new, which cities we should be in, which types of markets we should be at? We just don't know. And the only way you can know is to do it. So right. we did, I think, in 2021, 60 some markets, 64? <laughs> in <laughs> 2021, on purpose. Like that was intentional.
0: Not necessarily to carry on that way, just for discovery of what markets were the best.
1: Yeah. So we could have something to go on because how do you know? <laughs> okay. So
0: that's more than a market a week. Yes. And were some of these like just single day events versus several days, like the one of a kind show that's, you know, a few days?
1: Yeah, there were both.
0: They were both.
1: I mean, that one is probably, well, that's not even the longest one we've ever done. We've done 10 day ones, 10 day markets.
0: The one up in Milwaukee, maybe?
1: Covered Bridge.
0: No? Well, there's another show for you to look at.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All sorts of, I mean, they just keep coming. People just keep mentioning all these things. And I mean, you have to do it to know, but you also have to do it to know.
0: So how did this affect your lifestyle? What did it look like that year of 61 shows?
1: Pretty much every weekend I was at a market and Grant was at a different market. Oh, so you divided and conquered. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we would split up and go wherever. And so we had to get double everything to boosts that were a good representation of our brand and our things. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, yeah, have the help of family. The vast majority of our markets are one or two day markets. Uh-huh so we do have the three days or hit a little more common four days we've just done a couple of those and then yeah we've had a nine day and a ten day market as well so yeah most of them though were just friday saturday or saturday and sunday Occasionally, all three of those days. But yeah, it was definitely a lot of divide and conquer. It was, we did think it out that, hey, it's going to be a tough year, but definitely some long days involved, driving a couple hours, setting up a booth, working all day, packing up the booth and driving a few hours home and being out of the house for 18 or 20 hours. It will wear on you after a little while, but definitely worth it, especially when you find a good show. Some of our, last year especially, we had two shows that we, both one day shows and we did that and they became two of our best shows that we've done in 2021. And it was despite the long hours, there's a little more energy driving home after you've had a great day. So a lot of good connections with people.
0: Were the majority of your shows then ones that you could get home to? So you have a radius then around where you live, kind of looking at the shows versus going coast to coast, because there are so many shows you can do, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, usually we're within three hours. Mm hmm. But sometimes that still requires an overnight stay if it's a two-day or three-day market. You you have to look at the logistics of it. But yeah, I mean, basically, we're at markets or making stuff.
0: Okay. And then how do you judge whether a show's been a success? Hold tight. You'll hear the answer to this question right after a quick break for our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can
1: you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell
0: their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com.
2: Multiple things go into it. So I know back early 2021, I wanted to have basically the booth fee. I wanted to get 10 times the booth fee. And that was kind of a marker that I had in my head for whatever reason. As we've gone through time, it's obvious that paying $200 to get into a show and making 1000 is better than paying $75 to get into a show and making $750. If you make more money that way, or maybe my math didn't work out in that instance, but the 10 Tim times rule doesn't necessarily yeah, play out all the way. So that was something early on. Obviously sales are a big deal. We can't go to these shows, pay the booth fee, pay possible hotel fee, travel everything else, and come away losing money. Can't do that too many times (laughs) before you're no longer a business. But we do have residual sales. So as we get into especially some custom leather work, so I'll leave a lot of shows and one of a kind was a prime example of that with some orders to do. And I've still got a couple to fulfill on that. Just got some leather in yesterday to fill one and waiting on leather to come back and stock for one more. But yeah, we had calls for other belts to be made and just those residual sales, those connections you make, having those business cards and just being welcoming and making an impression on people. So when mm-hmm. they see the booth and they're like, hey, I really like what you're doing and The maker's in front of you, and you can talk about your product, and they love it. People like having that connection.
0: Now, you've only been able to repeat maybe one, possibly two years, depending on which shows they were. Are you seeing people coming back already knowing you at this point? Even
2: brand new shows. We know people. It's amazing.
0: Because people like to go to these shows, right? Like, if it's a lifestyle that they like to go to craft shows or farmer's markets or whatever, then they go to multiple ones, too.
2: Yes, they'll go to multiples and from a vendor perspective, they will follow you and see what shows you're going to. Ah. And we've got some of those customers, they come and find us and they just, mm-hmm. hey, if you're doing this show, it's gonna be a good one.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: when you hear that from a customer, like that definitely lifts your spirits and it's like, hey, we're doing something right here. Every time someone buys something of mine, I feel a little humbled. Mm-hmm. Like, they're spending their hard earned money for something that I made by hand. Right. So it's definitely something humbles me every time. I'm thankful for them trusting in me. Stand behind my product. I don't think they're making a bad choice ever, but it's still just something that kind of catches me off guard every time.
0: Well... I have to say like you two work the booth so wonderfully because it's such a joy to go in and chat with you. I don't know if you remember my interaction with you guys in the booth. I was the one who sat around that coaster spinning thing <laughs> for like 45 minutes deciding because oh, okay. I had to have the right colors Absolutely. and you also offer customization in your booth. You might remember this now. I had the dog print with the heart coasters, and I had the dog names. You engraved the dog names on them for my daughter, for her. It was one of her Christmas presents. Yes. The dog names were Ladybug and Oscar. Does it ring a bell? <laughs> the
2: tan coasters, yes, rings a Yes,
0: bell. <laughs> yes, you're right. <coughs> but that's so fun, too, that you can do that right on site there. And it took literally seconds for you to do. And then of course i bought more because that's when i got around <laughs> figuring out all the colors and all of that going yes. on but you guys have great interaction together and then also it's just very friendly and comfortable in your booth has that evolved over time or
2: yeah, i think it speaks more to both of our nature we're both introverted by nature hmm we want you to feel welcome but not us hovering over you saying, Mm -hmm. don't want to be pushy, not trying to do hard sales or anything like that. Just, Hey, take a look around. If you have any questions, let us know.
1: Right. Also, I think we both view it. We would rather build a relationship than make a sale too, you know, like relationships will lead to sales.
0: (laughs) It's true. You're right.
1: We both think like we would just rather know this person and Mm -hmm. see what they're interested in it may not be our stuff or it might be or it could be a custom piece or we could direct them to somebody that we know who can do better what they're looking for you know like it's more of a relationship yeah Like we lead with that first, which maybe makes it more friendly. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's a very
0: comfortable vibe. Every booth feels a little different. And that's something I'm always looking at is, you know, how welcoming and comfortable. Because if someone, like you were saying, Jennifer, if someone's hovering over you, like even if I like their product, I might leave because it's too much already. Like I don't want that pressure. And I think sometimes too, and your products fit into this, People need to think for a second, like they like what they're seeing, but like, will I use it? If I will, what color's the right one? Or if it's a gift, like, is it right? And you need that quiet time for yourself to think, you know, versus someone asking you or trying to sell you on all the colors or that. It's like, okay, too much. I (laughs) got to go.
1: Well, yeah, because it's not better for people to buy our stuff and it just gets stuffed in a closet. That's not the point, you know, like, right at all we want them to use it or hang it or put their card cash in it and carry it around you know their wallet in their pocket and that's how I would want to shop too you know like I want to think about it I want to have time and
0: yeah you're there to answer questions if they want you acknowledge people you chat with people if you kind of intuitively feel they're interested in talking but then otherwise you let them just look and see Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a lot about face-to-face and I do want to get to a couple of other things on that end. But where in everything did online e-commerce come in? You know, you'd referenced Etsy a little bit, but I know you have a Shopify website because I've been snooping. (laughs) Tell us about the evolution of that.
1: So Shopify, I think we set it all up in like spring of 2020.
0: Because you had the time because you couldn't go out to shows. (laughs)
1: Well, but not even that. But yes, I mean, that gave more time to spend on it. But it's kind of hard without, we had only done, I had only done, what, maybe 10 or less markets. So we didn't even know what we should have on there. So we had this site (laughs) and time to do stuff with it, but we didn't know what people would want. I mean, even what is the behind the scenes thinking about creating a good website? Shopify was really good and really helpful. They have a whole lot of helpful.
0: So you did the site yourself? Yes. And why did you choose Shopify as you were just starting? Why did you gravitate to that one?
1: Because it seemed like it had the best growth
2: options. Use the point of sale for the markets as well.
0: Okay. And were you doing that already before you did the website or you just saw, oh, this is a good opportunity to do both things at the same time?
1: Yeah. So we were using Square beforehand, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Shopify is the one I recommend always anyway, but I'm just curious about your experience.
1: So yeah, there's pluses and minuses, mm-hmm. but so far, as far as I can tell, still Shopify has the best growth potential for like, if you want to increase your online sales, if you want to attach, you know, your point of sale to your inventory and you know, there's just the most, and they have the most helpful things like resources out there. Um, so that's what made me pick them because I didn't want to have to do this all over again. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And the price was, I didn't think that much more for the potential benefit long-term. So let's just get it set up the way we think we need it and have room to grow into it. And you know, the things that we need, you can add the apps if you want to like grant personalization of his stuff. That's an app you can add on. And Mm -hmm. you know, there's things that you can add in to make it more of what you need it to be for whatever you're doing. But that was it.
0: How did you find support services for, I mean, were they helpful or did they have documentation that you could resource if you were unclear about how to do something?
1: Yeah, they're actually really good. There's videos, there's written stuff, there's a whole help thing. You can chat with somebody if you need to. And sometimes it's more complicated and you'll have to hire somebody to help you if you have something more complex that you need to have happen. But everything we've done, we've done ourselves. Well, the
0: site looks great, I have to say. (laughs) No, it, it does. It looks really nice. It's very clean. It all looks unified. It's definitely got your branding. So I think it looks great. But I love the fact that you did it all yourself. I was telling you a little earlier before we started recording that I was talking with someone yesterday. She had someone build her whole Shopify site. But now anytime she wants... Nope, I can't say that it's Shopify. She had someone build her website. But because she didn't create it herself... Anything that she wants to add or put in, she has to go through somebody else, which that's okay, because she says, you know what, I want to spend my time doing something else. I mean, it's just it's another decision point of what you want to be doing and how you want to work your business. Right. But I love your story about Shopify. I recommend Shopify to everybody for exactly the reasons you said.
1: Yeah, and we do too when people ask or what do you, how do you guys, how did you do this? And it's like, you just have to put the effort in, you know, I mean, but yeah, right. If you don't have the time to put the effort in, there are options you can hire.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I also like that you started your website after you'd been out to shows for a little while. Cause even if you didn't know everything, you already were feeling, okay, I'm getting some traction. People are buying the product. I think that makes you feel better about investing in an online platform, regardless of what it is.
1: Yeah, and it also seemed like it would make us more official. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Like when you have a website you can direct people to, it seems more real. You know, I just, hey, we set up a table in this church basement this one time, and now we're trying, you know, it seems more professional.
0: Well, so you've already started answering my question. How did business change after... So it's a great resource for people when you're not in person, right? For sure. You can also collect emails on your website. I'm not sure if you're doing that or not. Are you collecting emails? mm
1: mm-hmm. okay. Do you collect
0: emails at the booth too, in person?
1: We've had a struggle with that, figuring out the best way to do it. And I actually just, I don't know, a few weeks ago, got some advice from Shopify. When some of their videos, they're really good at responding, like YouTube videos, I was watching some like, how can we do this better? How can we get more people there to sign up? And they gave me some helpful tips because most of our interaction with people is in person, not through our website. So if we're just waiting for people to show up on the website, that's not really going to (laughs) happen.
0: Right. Because the way you're set up in person is everything. So huge opportunity there. Mm
1: -hmm. How can we do that without like, Writing names down and like to make it much more streamlined for people and not be, they just want a real quick.
0: Yeah. So you're developing that. When I see you again in a show, I'm going to see, I'm going to be, (laughs) you got there. (laughs) So let's carry on because there are so many things I want to talk with you about. But so it sounded like you dabbled in Etsy a little bit, but then you gravitated to Shopify right away. Is that kind of the story? Do you still have an Etsy site?
2: We have an account, but I don't think there's anything on there right now. There's so much noise. It's Mm -hmm. just, find traction. At some of the shows, actually one of a kind, we saw someone from Michael's who is they're launching something at small makers. And so we haven't heard any follow up on that, which I was expecting to hear by now. So I don't know what exactly they're doing. But we met representative in Glenn Ellen, College of DuPage, we did a show. And mm-hmm. then one of a kind, he was back. So that was just another connection. And just one of those, you know, we're at this show in Chicago, we haven't been here before a huge show. And here comes someone we know.
0: There you go. Yeah.
2: And it was kind of cool seeing people again. And yeah, we saw a handful of people again up there.
0: Nice.
1: Macrame was never on Etsy. It was leather. Yeah, that he leather. tried leather. To...
0: I think that's smart too, because if you were going to put both up, you should actually have two shops, you know, for mm-hmm. Etsy, you know, because yeah. people, that's a whole nother story. We're not going to go all the way there. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Social, where does that fit into your plan? Or does it, since you're doing so much mm-hmm. in person?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do a lot on social media. I think I mean, it's hard to come up with something every day or most days, you know, you got to have good pictures, you got to say something smart or something funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's always new like stickers and new things that you have to learn and people pay attention different ways. And so it seems like a lot, but
0: What's your
2: platform of choice
0: that you focus on the most?
1: We get the most engagement on Instagram. I was thinking you'd say that. We have
2: it linked with Facebook, so everything goes over there. But Mm -hmm. yeah, Instagram is definitely where we see most of the back and forth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and you guys do have a lot of content because even just pictures at shows, you know, I mean, now that Instagram doesn't have to be the formal staged, beautiful magazine type Mm -hmm. photos anymore, you know, you could do stories or reels or whatever. You've got so much with shows too.
1: Yeah, and we just started doing some more videos. I don't know the last half of last year, and that has helped. It's kind of scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doesn't have to be scary. <laughs> I mean, once you start doing it a bit, you know. I
1: mean, it seems like a scary thing to start doing, but once you start doing it, it becomes less of a big deal. Although you just don't want to say something stupid or whatever, but.
0: And if you do, you do like it doesn't even well, you're talking live videos, too, you know, like you can do video and then place it up. But I'm thinking like, Grant, when you do the lettering for the coasters or other things, that would even be cool just to see how that's done. Yeah. Placing the letters, doing the stamping, showing the finish. I mean, that's a real right there, you know, at any show you do. So social media as well. OK, let's talk about your classes. How did that start?
1: At the end of 2021, I was on a market and a woman asked me if I do classes. And previous to that, people have asked if I did classes. And I was like, no. (laughs) Like, what do I know? How could I teach you?
0: What do you you know? You make these beautiful macrame hangers.
1: (laughs) 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 For just like a few months, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. But she asked me and I said no. And she kept asking. Like, she... Got my phone, which, you know, it's okay that she did this, but she was texting me, like, when are you going to do classes? I really think this is a good idea. And I'm like, who is this like? lady? <laughs> <laughs> and why is she so sure that this is going to work? I kept telling her no. And then I said, fine, okay. And probably because of the full time job I left was traveling around and setting up events in other people's spaces. So that's just what came to my mind. And I was like, okay, you gather people, I'll come to your house. And it worked really well like really well. So then those same people did another class, like they got together and did a second class. And then some of those individual people got their friends, you know, separate friends or family together and did classes. And then it just kept going.
0: It kept going. And now you do leather classes too. And you have a central location where you conduct the classes. Is that what I'm understanding? That's what I'm getting from the website.
1: No, we occasionally do public classes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like a coffee shop or the one where promoting most right now is a it's actually a market three-day market in nearby us that is allowing us to do classes in our booth space so we got a double booth space so we'll have half of it for classes and half of it for no normal booth mm-hmm. and we're trying to sell tickets for that but usually it's on the person who wants to host the class to get all the people and to have the space and to do so we just show up with our stuff and the equipment needed and teach them and we pack it all up and go home and they can continue on it works Really well.
0: So you don't have to do all the promotion with that then.
1: Right. And it's a good feel because they all know each other and they want to hang Mm -hmm. out together, which there's nothing wrong with public classes. Clearly we're doing some, but it is easier because they know each other. There's less awkwardness in the beginning when you're trying to get people to know each other and feel comfortable when you do it in someone's home, they have the food they like and they have the drinks they want and they have all the things that they feel comfortable with. Right. And people have thought, Oh, it's weird that you go into people's homes. And I'm like, it's never been weird for me. Never. Not once been weird or awkward. People are excited.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And it's a much more comfortable environment. And we're used to that from all the old, you know, pampered chef parties and all the things from the past. But I have a question for you. I've had conversations with makers before because I feel that they're at the point where they should be doing classes. Mm -hmm. And their comment to me is, no, why am I going to share how I make this? Because that person is going to go and start a company and then be my competitor.
1: No. (laughs) Like, I mean, all these people, and I don't even know how many hundreds of people have been in a class, like they're there to have fun. And really, if they wanted to compete with you, they could go look up, like with macrame, you can do what I did and teach yourself from YouTube videos. Like it's not, what's the word? Top secret, proprietary, like there's nothing. Right. It's just putting in the effort. And most people are not interested in putting in the effort. And if they were, I would say, go for it. If you think you want to do this, there's places you can do it. And I'm glad to help you if you want to, but.
0: (laughs) The other thing is they see the intricacy and that it's way more difficult than it looks.
1: And that's what a lot of people say. They're like, oh, now I see why the prices are what they are, because now I've experienced it and I understand to make a wall hanging straight, you have, I mean, it's not just something you throw together from a kit, you know, like you have to have practice, then you have to put the effort in to actually make nice looking things that people would want to buy. You know, if you're just hang in your house because you wanted a plant hanger and some some way to hang it, then maybe it doesn't matter. But if you're trying to sell it, it's a whole different level. And no one's ever even said that some people are like, Oh, I want to try and remember how to do this. Not so I can make another plant hanger for this other plant I want. I don't even know if they ever end up doing that, you know? (laughs)
0: Right. Well, it's the quality and the skill that you attain over time, right? But it's also, I mean, starting a business is a whole different thing than making a product. We've been talking about that this whole time, right? There's so much to it. You putting yourself out there, all of the hard work, figuring out websites, like there's so much to it that it's nice to look from the outside in, but when you're in, it's way more complicated.
1: Yeah. It's never been an issue. And really, I think most people are doing classes because it's an experience. It's something to do with their friends. They're Most of them aren't even thinking, I want to remember how to do this so I can repeat it myself. They're just having fun. They're
0: just wanting the experience. Yeah.
1: They're right.
0: Do you think you'd ever take your classes virtual?
1: That was suggested a while ago, but it's really hard and several times since, it's really hard for a lot of people to learn that way. So many people say that come to a class that I'm doing and they're like, well, I have this kit I got off of Amazon or I got for a gift for Christmas. and I got frustrated because I couldn't figure it out from the video (laughs) or from the paper with it or whatever resources were provided. Like I couldn't figure it out. So I just tossed it in the closet and I haven't thought of it since. But when you're here looking at it the same way I'm looking at it instead of looking at it kind of backwards. (laughs) Yeah. Like I can help them say, no, here's where you're going wrong. Here's how it's hard.
0: You can provide in the moment assistance to different people.
1: Yes. And then they're like, oh, I get it. And it clicks and then they can keep doing it. And maybe they'll go back and finish their kit or maybe they don't. But yeah, it just, and maybe there's other things that are easier to learn virtually than macrame, but it's really hard Mm -hmm. to see it in a video (laughs) or on paper.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right. As we circle in and and close, I can't end everything without talking about the artisan market that you're hosting. Like, don't you have enough on your plate already and (laughs) you're hosting a market?
2: It was a heavy lift. That's for sure. It's a
1: lot, but it's good, I think.
0: Do you do it right in your community somewhere close? I'm hoping.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's a, it's a raceway. Mm Mm-hmm for NHRA, just they have a building that we can use that's pretty well known around here. And we know lots of vendors and we know what vendors are looking for to make it a good market for them. And we kind of have a pretty good sense of what shoppers are looking for, you know, with vendor mix and getting tired of the seeing the same stuff. And I mean, so it wasn't as hard as you might have thought it could be, but it was certainly a lot of effort. Well, and
0: <laughs> totally different skills too. Now I organize our community sidewalk sale at that time we had quite a few people participating and i remember the drama and the comments and like everything that went behind all of that who wants to be with who and where and set up and licensing and you know like all that crazy stuff there were surely new things that you hadn't thought of when you first envisioned hosting an event
1: just a few i mean and they were minor Again, somehow it just all was not as hard as it seemed
0: like. You've done one now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was your overall reason for hosting and adding this on to an already very full plate? Was it more income for you or
2: Oh no, not more income. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not, not, yet. not yet. Not Get yet. Get to
0: that because let's nix the fallacy that this is a moneymaker, a huge moneymaker anyway.
2: It is not a huge moneymaker, especially year one. We did talk to someone who does bigger scale shows, actually the show where we're going to be doing the classes coming up in Westfield. And she said your first three to five years, you're expected to lose money hosting a show. Mm -hmm. So we were not surprised to lose money. But yes, we certainly lost money last year. But gave us something really solid to build upon. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, we saw some small things we would change, but overall was pretty predictable. We've been at enough shows that we kind of knew, hey, where are pain points for a vendor that we can take care of? And that was one of the top feedback that we got from our vendors was something that we addressed, which one of a kind does. So they do have the porters to take everything up to your booth. And we had people help unload cars and get everything into the booth, which it was less of a headache for us because we could get traffic out of the way. But vendors definitely appreciate it also because their cars unloaded in five minutes instead of 30 minutes when you're carrying stuff yourself.
0: And let's face it, a physical show is a lot of work just being in the booth during the show, not even the setup and the teardown part. So your, would you say that, you know, what you got out of it was being able to put on a show that addressed some of the issues that other shows, you know, pain points of other shows to see if you could create a show that became all the more valuable to its participants?
1: Yeah, and also there's nothing like that in our area. So like we travel all over, we could see that, like there's this empty space around us where there's nothing like what we envision or the places we even go happening, Of the quality and of the type of shopper that we need to be successful, it just doesn't exist nearby us. And Mm -hmm. so we thought we could do it. So we did. And you
0: did. (laughs) And you did. To your point about being bold, right?
2: (laughs) It was really the market was very much in line with running the business. So it's not the big grand thing that you do well. It's the daily tasks that you do day in and day out that keep it on pace. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with running a small business like this. It's not the new product. It's making sure that every wallet that I make has that same quality and paying attention to those small details all the time. I'm currently in project management. It's very much the same thing there. It's everyone's looking for that home run. What's going to be my big break? And your big break is just doing the same thing over and over with quality, with intention and just kind of setting a course and sticking to it. Yeah. So we were talking a few minutes ago about people stealing. Oh, well, I'm going to build a business and be a competitor. And one thing I saw at a show that we did 2021 went around, I was going to promote some other booths on our social media, just kind of promote the show in general, and went up to a booth and I said, hey, do you mind if I take some pictures? And he's like, oh, I don't mind. No one's going to copy my work. It's too hard. It was that mentality is a good one that no one wants to do what I'm doing. Like, yeah, it- Looks cool, sounds like a good idea, but even if they try it, they're gonna get a couple pieces in, and decide, eh, I'll let him continue to do it. This is too much work for me. So hearing that perspective was definitely a different one that you don't usually hear at those shows with a lot of artists that are very protective of their work.
0: Yeah. And I feel like even if you made the exact same thing, it's the personality you bring to the booth, like we were talking about before. It's the way you do emails or you process your branding, your website, like it's all of this together. Mm -hmm. Of course, you got to start with a good product, but all of it together, which is why no, especially with handmade creators, no business can be exactly the same. It just can't. All right. I lied to you guys because I told you I was going to finish with the artisan and market question, but I do have one more question. As a husband-wife team, how do you integrate the business into your life so it's not always all business?
1: <laughs> mm, it's pretty much always all business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you play off each other so well. I mean, you can just see the fun and joy you're having in it. I'm sure not every minute of every day, but it's reality. But there aren't certain times where you're just like, we're not talking work, like, or we're only working just this time of day, or it just free flows, as it will.
2: Kind of free flows. Mm -hmm. Yep. As things need to get done, we try to go up there and get them done. So our our workspace is all upstairs at our house. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit separate, not really working in the dining room, but we don't eat in here either. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I thought that would be a curious question, because, you know, there are, are some people who think of going into business with their significant other. And uh, I'm guessing sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So, but for you guys, what you're doing right here is working beautifully.
2: We've heard both sides of it. Yeah. yeah. We've heard people that it's worked and others that it's not a good thing for them. So yeah, for us, it's worked, but definitely, yeah, it can be trying at times. It's a lot going on and we have stresses from our individual work that needs done and those can roll over the business and everything else. So it can can be challenging, but definitely rewarding at the same time. We do try to maintain, you know, some things outside of the business as well, kind of getting more involved in our church, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not just work all the time, try to keep some things.
0: Try to do some balance one way or another.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: All right, we've talked about your gorgeous products. Where can people go and see them? What's the best place?
2: Best place is to come see us at a market.
0: And on your website, do you have a list of the markets that you're at? We
2: you do. Yes. So uptowncommonhandmade.com. Mm-hmm. And you can see most of our products on there. We do try to keep that updated, but we do run our markets from Square right now. So the inventory is not tied. We can talk to any vendor about the positives and negatives with Shopify versus Square. We found that Square is really great for in-person markets. So that's why we do that right now. But Yeah. Visit our website. Leather stuff, even macrame. We're fully customizable.
0: Beautiful. And the website is?
2: Uptowncommonhandmade.com.
0: Okay. And over to Instagram at the same name, if they wanted to check that
2: out? Instagram and Facebook, just at Uptown Common.
0: Okay, perfect.
2: No handmade after it.
0: Wonderful. Well, you guys have been so much fun to talk to. I've loved hearing your story. I hope my questions weren't too deep, but you've really brought up like some really important points about a journey on the way as a handmade business and the fact that you're doing as many shows as you are clearly makes you professionals even within just like two and a half three years jennifer and grant thank you so much for coming on the show today
2: thank you it was great talking to you
0: i love this startup story so much because they didn't have everything figured out before they passed go as jennifer said It just kind of happened. They obviously went all in on one-person shows as their sales strategy, which fits their style and is paying off nicely. That's what's so great about having your own business. You can make the decisions and do what you enjoy and what fits for you. But still, I say, wow, 150 shows is amazing. One other thing I want to point out is how they're keeping an eye on changing trends and are open to adjusting their products accordingly. Wise advice for all of us. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay, come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.